Mark chapter 9. And we will begin reading in verse 14. of Mark chapter 9 and verse 14, and when you got it, say so. Hallelujah. Beginning in verse 14, it says, and when he came, this is speaking of Jesus to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, running to him, greeted him, and he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who, was a, who has a mute spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes, at his, gnashes his teeth, and, begin, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he, when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the, that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by his hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Father, we love you. And we honor you today, Lord God. We humble our hearts in your presence. And Lord, we just submit everything that is within us unto you. We thank you for moving in this place, God, and we thank you for speaking to our hearts already, Lord God. We thank you that we have been given this privilege to bring you worship, God, to bring you songs of adoration. And Father, we thank you as well for your word that you inspired, for your word that is alive, for your word that is active. And we ask you this morning, Lord God, by your word, search us. Speak to us. May you transform us. We give you all praise and glory. In Jesus' mighty name, someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Now we are continuing on in the series, Essentials, the things that are essential to our faith. We're going to continue to deal with that particular topic and this week, we're looking at this story here where Jesus is going to heal this boy. And it's funny because when you read this story and you look at this story, I want, I want us to look at what is occurring here because we find that Jesus is, is, is away for the moment and these, this person brings his son to Jesus so that way he can be healed. 
So when he, when he brings them to Jesus' disciples so they can be healed, brings them, brings them there, and, 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 and they're in this situation, and they, and, and they cannot cast this devil out of this child. And so Jesus comes, finds this big dispute, this big discussion that is going on, and he says, what are y'all talking about? And they communicate to him, this is what happened. And so Jesus responds, and he calls them in verse 19, he says, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. But I want you to notice something here in verse 20. And this is just some some things that I want to point out because I'm going to focus on one particular verse. But I want to point out a couple of things before we go there. And in verse 20 it says, Then they brought him to him. They brought the boy that is demon-possessed to Jesus. And when he saw him, when this boy saw him, and really not this boy, but the demon that was in this boy saw him, the Bible says, Immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and Wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Now, why do I point this out? Because sometimes we wonder why it is so difficult for sometimes ourselves to come to Jesus. Sometimes we wonder why it is, well, I'm deciding to come to Jesus. Why is all hell breaking loose? Well, do you think that the enemy wants to let you go? Do you think that the enemy just wants to let you just come to Jesus and be free and blessed and all that good stuff? No. That is not what the enemy wants. And so we notice here in, in, in a prime example, as soon as this demon sees what's going on, he doesn't just walk away and say, okay, I'm done with this. He says he, he throws the boy on the floor. It gets all violent and it gets crazy, right? Hello. And so we got to realize this. Why is this important for us? Well, it's important for us in our lives, but it's also important for us to recognize that because we're supposed to be a people that care about the salvation of others. Somebody please say amen. Amen. We should be a people who are concerned about the others that we know that do not know Jesus. And we need to recognize the spiritual battle that is going on in their lives so that way we can be those who stand in the gap on their behalf and that we don't just look at them as being hard-headed and difficult and obstinate, but that we recognize that there is a spiritual warfare that is taking place. There is something that is fighting them. And we as children of God need to take the word of God at face value and say, well, we need to stand in the gap for them believing that we have authority in Jesus to do what? To disarm the works of the enemy because Jesus already did that on the cross. And so it's important for us just to notice these things that are in the scriptures and that we realize that the enemy doesn't want you. So, you know, when you, when you start to think, you know, because sometimes we're, we're, we're like kind of, and, and, you know, this happens to some of us, not, not all of us. Some of us are walking on clouds. I know, glory to God. And we ask you that are walking on clouds, please talk to the Father for us. Hello. But for others of us, sometimes we have those moments where, you know, we're, we're not really walking with the Lord the way that we ought to. We're not walking with him in that relationship, in that intimacy, in that total submission to him. And then, you know, we have an epiphany, whether it's a message we hear, whether we wake up one day and we realize how far we really are from God, whatever it is. And we come to this recognition that, man, I need God. And then you're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to serve the Lord. I am going to walk with him. And then, you, and, and then suddenly, and, and I'm going to just say suddenly because it really isn't suddenly. It's just there. It's going to happen. Suddenly you run into this, and I encourage you, if you're recognizing that, recognize the fight and know that Jesus is standing there waiting for you to come to him. That is what he desires, that we would come to him and that we would give him full and total access unto our lives. Jesus goes on in verse 21, and he says, so he asked the father, how long has this happened, been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, and it says he often throws him into the waters. He goes through this whole thing, and then look at this here. Look, 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 Look at what the man says to Jesus in verse 22. He says this, and often he has thrown him both into fire and into the water to destroy him. 
But if you can do anything, underline that. I want you to notice probably, probably, you know, it may be like this in your Bible like it is in mine. That you has a capital Y. You know why that has a capital Y? Because it is pointing to deity. So what is happening is he is talking to Jesus. But if you can do anything, do, do, do you know who you're talking to here? You are talking to the one, you know, John says that, you know, the word was with God. The word was God in the beginning, right? That, that's what the, the Bible tells us, right? That's who he's talking to. He's talking to the one that has, has healed many, has done. And this man comes to this person and he has this, but if you can, if you can do anything. We're talking about essentials, right? Faith is an essential. I want you to notice something. When Jesus is talking to his disciples and he tells them later on in the verse, his disciples come to him and they ask him, why could we not cast out this demon? You remember what Jesus just said a couple of minutes ago earlier right there in the beginning when he, t- when, when they, when he comes and he asks them these questions, what's going on? They tell him your disciples couldn't cast out this demon. Jesus says to them, he calls them all a faithless generation. Is that not what he did say to them? That's what he says to them. And so what has happened is here's what happened. Initially, this father, look at this now, and this, this is why this message is for all of us in here. This father, right, this is what happens. He is coming to the disciples. You know why he's coming to the disciples? He is 100% certain that, that God can do exactly what God has been doing throughout this whole time, that God can heal, that God can deliver, that God can do all. This father is 100% positive that this can happen, right? He gets to the disciples. When he gets to the disciples, he's disappointed. Because the disciples are unable or are unable to do what? They are unable to be a vessel through which this miracle can happen. The disciples are the ones that are here that are lacking in this faith. Hello? Y'all ain't hearing me. The disciples are the ones that are lacking this faith. The disciples are the ones that they're lacking something. And Jesus tells them, hey, some of these things don't come out, but by prayer and fasting. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying you need the faith in order to do what? Because when you read later on, you'll find in the book of Matthew and you find in the book of Luke, Jesus starts talking about faith the size of a mustard seed. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed. I remember years and years and years ago when we were, when I was still, before I became a youth pastor in ministry, Pastor Robert and I were talking one day and he was he actually was teaching a class what it was and he was talking to the kids about faith and he said you know why does God say faith the size of a mustard seed and he was pointing out to them he said you know how small that mustard seed is see how small it is there is no room for doubt inside of that mustard seed that's why he is saying you need faith the size of you need to have a faith in God that there is room for nothing else but faith This is what is supposed to happen, that we're supposed to have that kind of faith, that there's no room for doubt, that there's no room for this, that there's no room for fear, that there is just room for faith in God. That's it. The lack of faith here does what? It affects his father's faith because this father is like, but if you can do anything, I've been standing here for how long? I don't know. Waiting to see that my son be delivered. He's still not been delivered. And so now if you can do anything. And so that should be for us a, a, a sobering statement because we can be the reason why people don't have faith in God. Let me say it again. We can be the reason why people don't have faith in God. Oh, because they came to us and we prayed for them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about living a life of faith because our life of faith is not exemplifying the the reality and the power of God in our lives. Therefore, folks look at us and say, man, how can I trust that God? Look at you. 
And so it's important for us to look at where we're at, talking about essentials. And I want to deal with the next few weeks a, a, a message or a few messages entitled Matters of Faith. And today we're going to talk about God. A biblically rooted belief system is very, very important for us to have. This man, when he comes to Jesus, he says to Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus says this, and, and when we read it in, in, in New King James Version, it says, if you can believe. But literally what it says is, if you can Jesus was insulted by this man's statement. He's saying, if you can, did did you forget who you're talking to? You're not talking to Matthew. You're not talking to to John. You're You're talking to Jesus. If you can, it's not on me. It's on you. Can you believe? He turns it around on the man and says, can you believe? And then the man cries out, and I love this, because he is so honest and so sincere. He says, I believe, help. I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help. I have faith, but God, I need you to help me deal with these other things. I have faith, but, but there's something that, see, because when we really have faith, and we're going to talk about this, we're going to get into this topic here, but when we really have faith, some things change in us. So the first thing we want to deal with here is we got to understand the belief system. We need a biblically rooted belief system. It is essential. It is an essential component to functional faith. What do I mean by functional faith? Faith that works. If you don't have a biblical root system that, 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 or a biblical belief system that is rooted in the scriptures and who God is, you're going to have issues operating in faith. You're going to have issues because what? Because what we believe is how we live no matter what we say. See, because here's the truth. Our beliefs develop us, our beliefs direct us, and our beliefs dominate our everyday lives. We can say that we believe whatever we want to say, but our actions will either confirm us as being truthful or condemn us as being liars. See, we can say all day, oh, I believe God for this, I believe God for that, I believe God. We can talk about it all day. We can make it sound real big, real loud, real proud. We can quote all kinds of scriptures, and we can make it seem like we're walking with Jesus. And in reality, when people look at us and they really see what's going on, they can see, is that one really walking by faith? Is, 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 is their lifestyle confirming what they're confessing? Or is it condemning them saying, man, that's a liar. That's what Jesus would call a hypocrite. There's, there, there's an old author, he's writing, and he says this, and, and, and this is like a statement that I, had, I read it like a hundred times, and I barely still understand it, but I'm going to try it anyway, glory to God. It says this, and it's speaking about what faith is. He said, faith signifies the believing the truth of the word of God. It signifies the believing the truth of the word of God. It relates to some word spoken or to some promise made by God. And it expresses the belief which a person who hears it has of its being true. In other words, he assents to it, he relies upon it, and he acts accordingly. And so when a person really has faith, there are some things that occur when we say we have faith and we say we believe God and we say we believe what the word of God teaches. When we say that, there are some things that should happen. That means that we should be reliant upon God. It means that we should be trusting in what God says. It means that our life should be demonstrating this kind of trust. And if we're honest, and I'm just saying if we're honest, and I say we because I'm in this category, you may not be. But if we are honest, most of us are like this father who has need of help in our faith. Most of us, not all of us. Like I said, I know some of y'all walking on clouds. All right, and you're good to go. I'm not one of those. There are, there, there, there are moments in my life where I'm like, God, I believe you, but I need some help to really believe you. 
Because that's what his father was saying. It's like a contradictory statement. I believe, but help my unbelief. Hello. And can I tell you something? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's okay if you're not walking on clouds and you struggle sometimes. As you know, us Christians, huh? us Christians, we, 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 we can't ever say we're having a bad day. Hello? Because if you're really a Christian, how can you have a bad day? Mm. You remember, remember the, little, the little video clip we saw last week? Did that look like a good day for Jesus? Mm-hmm. He had a bad day. Listen, most of us, just most of us. So we're going to deal with some foundational stuff because I, I think foundational stuff is very important. Say this with me. What we believe about God is foundational to every aspect of our Christianity. If there is one doctrine that is being attacked more directly and subtly than this one, there is none. There is no doctrine that is being attacked more directly and more subtly. And how can it be directly and subtly? Well, there's direct attacks on who God is. And then there are those subtle ones, you know, the ones where everybody says the name of God. It's just those subtle ones. You know, everybody believes in the same God. You have conversations, and, you know, I was, I was sitting down with, with, a, with, a, with, a, with a true brother and sister in Christ, and they were talking. They met this person, and they were having a conversation with them, and they're sitting there, and, and, and they said as they're having this conversation, the person they're talking to is talking about God. They're real bold. They're saying, God this and God that. And they're like, man, this person must be a Christian. Don't be so quick to think that. Everybody believes in God. Hello? The question is, what God do you, be, do you believe in? Another question is, as a Christian, do you believe in the God of the Bible or the God that Christianity has made in some places? I know you didn't like that one. Do you believe in the God of the Bible? Not, not, not the God that we've taken out of the Bible, but the God that is revealed throughout the Bible. There's a difference. Because we can take aspects of God out of the Bible and say, yeah, God is this, God is that, God is the next thing, and then that's our God. That's called an idol. Did you hear me? No greater doctrine is undergoing this. And our understanding, our understanding of who God is, it undergirds, it supports our understanding of the gospel, which relates directly to how we respond to the gospel. In other words, if you don't understand who God is, you really don't understand the whole need for the gospel, why you need the gospel, why you need to respond to it. And we talked about last week, the gospel, the primary thing, the first thing, the thing that matters, the thing that is of first importance, the gospel. If you don't understand who God is, you don't know that you need the gospel. You don't, even, you don't even realize why you need it. If you have a distorted picture of who God is, you're never going to respond to the gospel with a whole heart and understand that. And so we want to look at these things. You see, because the days we live in are days where speaking about God in general terms is not as taboo as speaking about a specific God, especially the God of Christianity or the God of the Bible. See, we can talk about God. You know, you get around someone who's an atheist or someone who's like that, that's real, like, you know, strong in their, in their whole thing. You know, you say, God, they, you know, get offended and whatever the case is. Okay, whatever. I'm not talking about them. Those are the minority if you really look at it. But you get around most folks and you start talking about God, they're not tripping because you said God. They're, they're, they're good with that. Yeah, God is good. Everybody believes God is good. They're, they're, listen, they even know your Christian cliche. God is good. And all the time. They know that. Hello, somebody. They know that. 
And so, but are they talking about the same God that we're talking about? As a Christian, I must be sure that I do not agree with every reference made to God as being correct or that every person who speaks about God is speaking about the God of the Bible. There are many gods. Hear what I'm about to say. Don't get confused either. There are many gods named Jesus, but there is only one true Jesus. What do you mean, Bishop? What I mean is, there are a whole lot of people that say they're serving Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. Listen, this is the heart of the message that I want to share with you today. Do you know who your God is? Do you know who your God is? And listen, for some of you, this is going to be like so elementary. Praise God. Have a refresher today. This is going to be like way beneath some of us. But for the rest of us that are not walking on clouds... But I don't want you to just listen to what I'm saying. I really want you to ask yourself this question. Do I believe these things about God? Do I believe these things that we're going to talk about, what the Bible reveals about God? The second thing is this, and this is the question. Do I really, say it with me, do I really believe what the Bible teaches about the character of God? Do I really believe this? Do I really believe this? Do I really believe what the Bible teaches? And, and we're going to go through these. We're going to go through these. I'm not going to say quickly because it's going to take a while because there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that talks about who God is. But here's what I want you to realize. The character of God as revealed in Scripture is the most comprehensive definition that man can handle. And it is what we should unwaveringly hold to as Christians. What I mean is when you look at the Bible and you really go through the Scriptures and you see what the Bible teaches about God, this is a very comprehensive revelation of who your God is. The things that God has placed in this Bible, these are the things that we can handle knowing about God. We can't handle more than what God has shown us. When we can handle that, we'll be in eternity and in glory. But he's given us the revelation that we need to know about him. When we look at the scripture, I mean the scriptures clearly tell us a bunch of stuff about God, but this is the God that we serve. This is the God whom we are talking about and whom we are coming to in relationship. And so the first thing that we need to realize is that the Bible Bible does not try to defend God. Say it with me. The Bible does not try to defend God. It doesn't try to prove God. It assumes God. What do you mean, Bishop? Go to verse 1 in your Bible. Turn there really quickly. Come on, go over there. Verse 1, verse 1 in your Bible. Look what it says. Y'all should know this one by heart, right? What does it say? Come on. In the beginning, God. You hear what I, you, hear, you, you, you read what it says? Genesis 1, verse 1. Like four words into it. In the beginning, God. Not trying to defend who God is. Not trying to prove God exists. It's just saying, in the beginning, God. It shows the first thing that we've got to grasp about God is, is probably one of the things that children have asked you. I'm sure your children have maybe asked you. It just depends. Um, if they haven't, they may ask you. And maybe your children, maybe other people have asked you this. But the question is, who created God? Who created him? Where, 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 where did he come from? He's eternal. That's hard to explain because we don't understand that. We, 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 don't, we, we don't get, you know, that. We, 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 don't, we don't get that concept because when we, and, and you know, we, we get it, but we don't really get it. What do I mean? When we first come out of the womb, right, you know, you know, we first come out of the womb, guess what? Parents were. They're just there, right? They're just there. We come, they're there. Boom. 
Daddy is. Mommy is. Creation, God is. He's just there. When it's happened, he's there. Right? But then our kids get, well, well you know, you get, you know, this, you know, my daughter, right? She's like, you guys are kind of old. <laughs> right? Start talking to you about stuff like that. Because they, they, they learn where you came from. They learn, okay, they see your mommy and, and your dad. And, and they start to see, okay, this is where you came from. But when you look at God, you don't have that. The angels cry this out in Revelations chapter 4. They make it very clear. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. What are they saying? They're saying when we came to be, he was. Right now, he is. And as long as we'll be, he's going to be. Hello. He's eternal. So the first thing we got to grasp, do you believe that? Do you believe that God? Or do you believe, because this is what your world system will try to teach you, is that God is a creation of man, a creation of religion that is made to do what? To control people. To make people fear. So the question is, do you believe what the Bible teaches about God? That God is eternal, meaning that he depends on no one to exist. He exists because he is, and he just is. And he is what the Bible says. Later on, we'll look at it. The Bible says that he is unsearchable. Listen, he, he is beyond us totally knowing. But the question is, do you as a Christian, you as a person that is sitting here, you may not be a Christian, but do you believe what the Bible says about God, that he's eternal, that he has no creator, he has no father, no mother, he just is, he's the creator, he, he, he is the beginning of all things? That's what your Bible teaches. The next thing that we'll look at, we're going to look at three different components that we use to describe God or three different words that we use to describe God, and we should know them. We know that God is omnipotent. We know that God is omnipresent, and we know that God is omniscient. But when we look at those words, what do those words really mean? The first thing is this, is that God is omnipotent. Do you believe that God is omnipotent? Mean that God is all-powerful. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he is all-powerful? Really, you, 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 you sure you believe that? Because we say yes to that because we know it is right. Because we have been taught that. I'm not asking you what do you know. I'm asking you what do you believe. See, this is not a question about what you've been taught and have you heard this before. Listen, I hope that I'm going to tell you things that you've heard before hundreds and hundreds of times. But my prayer is that you will really look into your heart. Do I really believe this stuff? Do I really believe this? Do I really believe that God is omnipotent? Do I really believe that God is all-powerful? Do I really believe that God is everything the Bible says? Well, when you look at the name omnipotent, you can look at some other names or you can look at some other definitions that are given to him. And we find this one. I'm going to give you some scriptures. You can write these down. If you're taking notes, you know me. I do like rapid fire. So I'm going to do my best to speak slow when I'm giving these scriptures. But but if you want, I can email you this. Amen. And you can have this outline and I'll send it to you and you can look up all of these scriptures. Amen. Glory to God. We'll do it that way. Make it easy for all of us hallelujah but the first name that we find here is the name Elohim Elohim what does that mean in the beginning this word you're looking at right here in the beginning God is that word Elohim and it is speaking of his might and his power why because it is saying Elohim God created the heavens and the earth he is Elohim he is the strong God he is the mighty God he is the God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think and we see in creation now if you believe that he's Elohim then what you believe is you believe that your God needs nothing to create everything you didn't hear what I just said If you believe that, you believe that your God needs nothing to create everything. Your God didn't need a molecule. He didn't need some something over here. He didn't need something. He didn't need a big bang. He didn't need none of that. If you believe this. And see, this is important because you know what? I'm going to tell you something. There's, there's a particular denomination that just the other day, this is just the other day. They just changed their doctrinal statement. 
They just change, and it's a, a, one of the largest, and I'm not going to name it because it doesn't even matter, because I don't believe every person that is under that umbrella believes this. This is just the main folks had a conversation, and when they had this conversation regarding the doctrine of creation, they decided to say in the beginning when they, when they first had this, this, right, this, this doctrine written out, they said there was no room for evolution. There was no room for this. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was seven days, and this is how the earth was created, and we went through this whole thing. The earth is as old as the Bible says that it is, and that was the bottom line. Now, they changed their statement. They said because of the advancement of knowledge and because because of all of the advancement in science, we understand that God is the creator of all things, but we are not sure if there was some evolutionary participation. This is your, this is your brothers and sisters in Christ that are changing this as their doctrinal statement. What do you believe? Do you believe that God created everything the way God says that he did? Do you believe he is Elohim of the Bible? He's part of him being omnipotent. You believe that? You believe it down deep in your heart because you believe that you'll defend that. If you don't believe it, you'll just be like, well, I don't know. You know, I mean, science says this. And Now, hold on a second. What does your Bible say? We're going to talk about our Bible next week, but this week I want to deal with this particular topic of God. And so the next name that we see God revealed as is El Elyon. What does that mean? God Most High. Do you believe that he is the Most High God? I'll ask you a better question. Do you treat him like he's the Most High God? Or is there someone or something that is above him? Because if you really believe he is God most high, then you know what that means? He is going to be most high. He is going to be your focus. You are going to worship him and him alone. Everybody, everything comes below him. Do you believe he's El Elyon? This is what the Bible says your God is under this umbrella of omnipotence. The next thing that we see him revealed as is the name El Shaddai. And that means God Almighty, the many-breasted one. And so he's declaring that he is Almighty God. It goes with that whole name, omnipotent, meaning that he is able, that he is able, he is strong. He is not limited by time. He is not limited by anything, but he is able. Do you really believe that about your God? We look at these names, we got to understand. Then the Bible shows us something, and, and, and there's one name that is given to God in the beginning, and it is the name Jehovah. Let me just ask a really quick question here before I'm going to take a pause moment. How many of y'all are cold? Raise your hand if you're cold in here. All right, praise the Lord. You can lower the AC. I'll, I'll sweat. I'll be all right because I got everyone up in here putting on, their, they're putting on their winter clothes. They brought all their jackets. Glory to God. I'm like, they ain't listening to me. They're freezing. Like, glory to God. I need to be warm. I wish there was a name that God is heat. He is a consuming fire. Glory to God. We're going to get to that one. See? Huh. So we find, we find here that the Bible shows us this one name of God that is given to him, and it is the name Jehovah. Say Jehovah. Jehovah. The name Jehovah means the existing one, the eternal God. Now, you all know that there are other names that you've heard, like how many of y'all have heard Jehovah Jireh? Raise your hand. How many of y'all have heard Jehovah Mekadeshim? Raise your hand. How many of y'all have heard Jehovah Nisi? Raise your hand. How many of y'all have heard Jehovah Rapha? Raise your hand. How many of y'all have heard Jehovah Sidkenu? Raise your hand. So what that is saying is that the second part of the name is an attribute that is connected to his eternity. Did you hear what I just said? So that means that if he is Jehovah Jireh, we know that Jireh means sees and provides, right? So what we understand is if he, if we believe, now mind you, we're still dealing with omnipotence, right? We believe God is omnipotent. So that means that he is able to do whatever he says. And when God gives his name, he is saying, this is my character. This is my authority. 
authority. This is my ability. This is my will. That's what he's communicating when he's saying this is my name. So God reveals himself first to Abraham as Jehovah Jireh, omnipotent God, able to provide out of nowhere. Abraham is walking up a mountain with his son. He's like, you know what, son? We're going to get up here to this mountain. His son is like, daddy, um, where's the sacrifice? Abraham just speaks by faith. He hadn't even had this revelation yet. He's like, well, the Lord's going to provide, son. Gets up to the top of that mountain. He's about to kill his son. You know the scriptures. You know the story. I don't want to go through the whole story. He's about to kill his son. God tells him to stop. He looks back, and what happened? There's a lamb caught. There's a ram caught in the thicket over here, right? So in the bushes behind him, there's a ram caught for what? For the sacrifice. God provided. Okay, so now we see Abraham's faith, but what about yours? Do you believe that he is Jehovah Jireh? Do you, do you believe that his ability to provide for you is inexhaustible? Because that's what it means to be eternal. It means that him saying that I am the provider means that I do not provide for you from this natural realm. I provide from you from an eternal realm. Did you get that? No, y'all, y'all, y'all not getting that. I am Jehovah, the existing one, Jireh. I am going to provide for you always. There is never a lack in my storehouse. Did you get it? My bank account don't bounce checks. Did you hear me? This is what your God says about himself. And he wants to know, do you believe that he is Jehovah Jireh? Do you believe that? Can I tell you something? Statistically. Statistically now. When our, when our economy went down, you want to know what also, what also went down? Giving in churches. You know why? Because we don't believe that. Well, no, Bishop, we lost our jobs. Not about you losing your job. Folks that got the same job, make the same income, do what? Sit down, start cutting. Where's the first place they cut? Giving. But you believe he's Jehovah Jireh, right? No, you don't. I know, that's insulting. It is very insulting to God. I know. I know you feel insulted, but forget about you for the moment. Let's think about him. It's very insulting to say, oh, yeah, I trust you. You're Jehovah Jireh, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to just save for a rainy day because I don't know if you're going to have my back. Listen, go to, you don't have to take my word for it. Go to Barna. Look at, look at his reports last year on church giving, tithes and offerings, and you will see the year before. You, you'll see how they decline. God is still faithful. Hear me. Drive around and you'll notice something. You'll notice, and I've never seen this ever, as long as I've been in church, about 16 years, I've never seen so many churches for sale in my life. Hear me. Church buildings for sale. Why? He's Jehovah Jireh. I thought he was providing for his church. Hello? Do we really trust him? Do we really believe that he is Jehovah Jireh? Do we really sit down before him and say, you know what, God, I trust you with my finances and I believe you and we are going to work this out. We're going to walk together. Do we believe that or do we just, you know what, I'm just going to make it on my own. How do we do it? Well, if you believe that he's Jehovah Jireh, you're doing it one way. You're seeking him. You're doing what he tells you to do. And I'm not just talking about giving. I'm talking about in all areas of your money. See, because when you believe that he's your provider, you do right with his money because you realize this. If he's your provider, it ain't your money. Hello. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I don't know if you know this, but it ain't your money. 
Stop acting like it is. You see, now you done insulted your neighbor. See, you don't even know how to. Listen, we need to consider, do we believe this? The next name that we see here, Jehovah Mekadeshim. What does that name mean? It means the Lord is my sanctifier. So that means that God from eternity past has had your sanctification in mind. Do you believe that he's a sanctifier? Do you believe now, 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 when we talk about sanctification, what do we mean here? We're talking about God separating us, right, unto his holiness, separating us unto himself. He's not just separate. Look, it's not like this. It's not like he's just moving us, right, from this row here to this row here. Here's what happens. I'm going to use my beautiful wife as an example. We as Christians, right, religious, I'm going to call us religious folk. Come and stand up, beautiful. What we want to do, right, we're over here living this life. Come and stand here. We're over here living this life, how we want to live. And we realize this, this is what happens. This, this is the mindset. The mindset is I got to get to church. Hear me. I need to get to church. I'm not in church. I'm over here out of church. I need to get to church. Come to church, please. Have a seat in church. All these people are not in church. See, y'all, 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 I'm just messing with y'all, glory to God. See, see, Jamie, Jamie just brought you right to the club right there. That, ain't, that is not Jesus right there. So now, listen, listen now, hold on. So we look at this and we think, well, this is what God wants. He wants me out of here, over here. Is that what God wants? Or does God want you out of here, right here, with him? How does he want you? When he's saying he's my sanctifier, What he's saying is like my wife, she walked down the aisle and she didn't just come to move into a house. She came to be in a relationship with me. Are you hearing me, church? She came to be in a relationship with me where we were now going to be in commitment. We were now going to be in covenant. I didn't, she, she wasn't just leaving other things. She was coming to someone. The problem with us is that we don't understand when he says that he wants to be our sanctifier. He wants us to come to him, enjoy him, and experience him, and then realize this. Walking away from all of that, it, would, it was hard to walk away. But once you found him and you taste and you see how good he is, you don't want to go back to that it's and and understand that once you come to him but when you decide you're going to go from being over here to being over here and there's no relationship he's not being your sanctifier you can have a seat beautiful thank you give the lord a hand of praise for her so do you believe he's your sanctifier that he, he 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 doesn't just want you to stop doing stuff he wants you to start spending time with him he wants you to, he, he, what he wants to do is he wants to rub off on you. He wants to sanctify you. He doesn't just want to give you right standing with him, but he wants to make you stand right with him. Hear me. He wants to do, so, so, so do you believe that? Or do you view, view your Christianity as just, you know, a bunch of rules and regulations and things I got to do? Listen, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You know what? Folks say God is boring. You don't know him. You do not know him. I love Brother Rob prayed. He said, God, you're more excited than a football game. Hallelujah. I know some of us are doubting that truth. Hello. But listen, the reality is, if you know him, he is. If you know him, he is more than anything else you have ever had. That is why the Bible says to taste and see the Lord is good. Sanctification is not just stopping doing things. It is entering into intimacy with him. 
So he says he's Jehovah, Jehovah Mekadeshim. Do you believe that? The Bible says he is Jehovah Nisi. How many of y'all heard that name? Raise your hand again if you heard that name, Jehovah Nisi. Y'all remember where that story is? Remember? There you go. See, praise the Lord. There you go. Hallelujah. I'm not going to send him my outline. I'm just going to let her write down these names and find them. I'm just playing. Listen, right? Children of Israel are going to fight Amalek, right? So what happens is Joshua, Moses tells Joshua, Joshua, you choose some men to go and fight, and you go down there and fight. I'm going to sit up here on this mountain, and I'm going to go ahead and lift my hands up to the Lord. He lifted up his hands to the Lord. The Bible said Joshua was down there. Now, Joshua, I believe, this is my, my opinion, I'm thinking Joshua's a pretty bad dude because he's like the leader of the army. And so that would tell me that, you know, he's got some fight in him and he's, you know, he's got it going on, right? Some trained folks around him maybe. I, I'm assuming these things. But what I realize is this, is while Moses has his hands up, the Bible says they were winning. When Moses brought his hands down, they started losing. So let me ask you the question. Where was the victory? In Joshua's ability to fight, in Amalek's weakness, or was it in God's strength? It was in God's ability. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner, the Lord my victory. Do you believe that? Where is your victory at? Where? Do, I mean, really, I know you know it, but do you believe it? Do you believe that your victory is in him? Do you believe that? Do you believe that your victory is truly in God Almighty? This is all under his umbrella of, om, of omnipotence. We continue on the name Jehovah Rapha. Y'all have heard the name Jehovah Rapha. We sing, we, we've sung about that, right? Jehovah Rapha, we, 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 we know that name. What does it mean? It means the Lord, our healer. The Lord, our healer. Do you believe that? Do you believe he is the great physician? I'm not, I'm not asking you, listen, we all take aspirin. Hello. Some people think if they don't take aspirin, they don't go to the doctor, they're more spiritual than everybody else. That's not true. Now, there, there, there is a flip side to that. There are some people that are just hypochondriacs, you know, and they just, they, every, something happened. Oh, my goodness, I got to take a pill. Hello. You need to get delivered from that, glory to God. I'm not asking you that. What I'm asking you is, do you really believe that he is who he says he is? Even when he doesn't heal you. That's the tough question. Even when he doesn't heal you. Are you still willing to pray for someone else to be healed while you're sick? Or does your situation cause you to be like, man, I don't know if I can trust God. Listen, it's tough. It's tough. You got a Jehovah Rapha. That's a big name. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, the eternal healer. He doesn't respond and heal you, but do you believe that he's a healer? When someone, when someone comes to you and they're sick, do you cower and like, man, I don't know. Or do you just pray in faith? Do you really believe that? Do you really trust? Or, 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 or when, when, when you are sick, do you trust more your doctor's advice than the God who's anointed your doctor with that wisdom? Who are you trusting in for real? What do you believe? This, this is about what do you believe about God? He said, I didn't say this. He says this. I'm just repeating what he says. Another name that he goes by is Jehovah Sabaoth. How many of y'all have heard that name? Jehovah Sabaoth. Not very many of you, a couple of us. Glory to God. Jehovah Sabaoth, what does that mean? That means the Lord of hosts. 
The book of Isaiah chapter 6, you remember that story? Isaiah has a revelation of heaven, and he says, I see the Lord high and lifted up, seated on the throne, right? The Bible says that the train of his robe is filling the temple, and the angels are crying out, and the pillars in the temple are shaking, and they call, they, they call him the Lord of hosts. And I don't know if you remember, but years ago, Pastor Frank, he came and he preached, and he was talking about that exact story. And what he was saying was the reason why the train of the robe was so important was because it signified the same thing of the kings of those days. The kings in those days, when they would go through different nations, and they would conquer them, what they would do is they would add to their train the flags of those nations and they would show, these are the nations that I've conquered, these are the nations that I've destroyed and so their, 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 their road was, was filled like that, and so what God was showing when he was in there, my train is filling the temple, he's saying man, I am the Lord of hosts, I am the one who is in control over all things, I am the almighty God, this is what he is communicating he's showing us listen, I am the conqueror of conquerors this is what he's communicating. And, 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 when he, and, and he's not only saying that he's that, but, man, he is saying he is holy. He's, he's not just a conqueror, but he is holy. But he's saying, I am the Lord of hosts. He's communicating this, the God who controls. So, again, we look at this tied in with the name Jehovah Nisi. Where does our victory come from, our strength or his? Where does it come from? Where do we depend on or, or where, where do we get our strength in battle? Who's fighting for us? Do you believe that he fights for you? Now, do, do you believe that he fights for you? I mean, do you believe that he, even when it seems like, man, who is fighting for me? Do you believe he's fighting for you? These are his names, just under the name Jehovah. I mean, just under the name of God being omnipotent. We see the next name here, Jehovah Shalom. Y'all have heard that name, Jehovah Shalom. You know what that means? It means the Lord our peace. So the question is, again, where, what do you believe about this? Do you really believe that he can give you peace in the midst of a storm? Do you really believe, is he really the source of your peace? Or do you feel, listen, I'm going to tell you, I can answer the question for you. Can you go into the presence of God, cry out to him, seek his face, boo-hoo, cry, whatever you got to do, get up, walk out of his presence, and not talk about the problem again? If you can say yes to that, you believe that. If you say no to that, you don't believe it. If he's your peace, then that means I don't have to talk to anybody else about a problem because I already spoke to my peace. I I don't have to go in and I don't have to get it off my chest. I got it off my chest. Did you hear me? So is he your peace? Do you really believe that he's your peace? Or do you have to talk to everybody you run into until you've got it out your system? Or or you got to talk to everyone you run into until you get the answer that pacifies you is he your peace if he's your peace now that doesn't mean you don't talk to someone but what i'm saying is the first one you should run to the first one you should run to no matter what is who god almighty the first place you should fall listen you should make it a goal after this day if you're really going to believe that he is the lord your peace is that when you go through something difficult that you are not going to answer a phone call that comes in that you are not going to call anybody that you are not going to speak to anyone especially about that topic until you have gone into the presence of god and wrestled with god and let god deal with you and i and i guarantee you that if you will really get open with him god will enter in there and he will really be your peace that should be our goal Jehovah Sid Canoe, the Lord our righteousness. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he is able, I mean really able, to give you right standing with himself? Do you really believe that he is able to call you son and call you daughter, or is it just something that you kind of hear and think maybe? Do you really believe that? 
The book of Ezekiel closes with that. When, I mean, not, not the book of Ezekiel, but when, when, when you're looking, I'm sorry, not the book of Ezekiel. The book of Jeremiah communicates this about God, that he is our righteousness. He is our Listen, we're, 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 we're not good by ourselves. Did you hear me? If you're honest with yourself, again, if you're honest, you know you're not good. If you are honest with yourself, you, listen, you, we, 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 we even do an injustice by saying, oh, well, they have a good heart. Really, that's not what the Bible says. It's not what the scriptures teach. The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all. That's, what, that's, not what, that's not what I'm saying. That's what the Bible says. So that means you're lying or you're saying God is a liar. Well, they don't know God, but they have a good heart, really. <laughs> okay. But he says he is our righteousness because our righteousness is as filthy rags before him. Because when you compare our righteousness to his holiness, it's disgusting. So that's just one name. That, 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 that's just one portion, God being omnipotent. Do you believe he's omnipotent? Do you believe that he really is omnipotent? The next name that we, or the next thing that we call God, <clears throat> the next characteristic we, we attribute to him is that God is omniscient. He's omniscient. That means he knows everything. That means you can hide from me. That means you can hide from mommy. That means you can hide from daddy. You can't hide from God. That's what that means. See, because we say that we believe that God is almighty, right? We, we, we say that we believe that God is omnipotent. Listen, if you really believe that God was omnipotent, you wouldn't act a fool like you do. Because you would know that he has the ability to give you the real beatdown of beatdowns. There would be a real fear. Oh, well, you know, we're, we're in the New Testament. We don't need to fear God. That's not true. You need to have a fear of the Lord. Hello. This is what the scriptures teach. A real fear of God. But God, but we believe that God is we believe that God is omniscient, right? So He knows all things. Our Bible shows us, and and, and it says in the book of of, of of Genesis chapter sixteen, and you remember the story there. Hagar she gets kicked out of the house because you know her son's older, making fun of um of, of of Isaac over there, and so gets kicked out of the house. He's leaving the house. You remember that story, right? Well, you remember that she's about to die. She's like, man, we're gonna die. This is just crazy. You know, we're out here, and then God shows up, and he you know shows show, shows himself there. And what does she call him? She calls him El Roi. The one who sees, the strong one who sees. Do you believe that God sees everything that you're going through? Do you believe that? Listen, the Bible tells us this. The Bible says that God knows what we need before the petition comes out of our mouth. You know, that's what the Bible says. But see, I I want you to know, because we understand his eternal nature, God knew you had a need before you were even born. God knew what you, I want you to get this about your God. This is the God that I serve. The God that I serve, before you and I were born, knew that this day you would have this need. You would be going through this situation. He knew you would be thinking those thoughts at this moment. He knew this. This is your God. This is the God that we serve, the God that we proclaim, the God that we worship. He's an omniscient God. He knows all things. If we really believe that he was omniscient, we really believe that he knew everything, we would fight the thoughts that we think sometimes. We wouldn't let those things run, run wild in our mind. Hello, somebody. If we thought God was omniscient, if we knew that God knew all things, we wouldn't have conversations that we have. If we knew God knew all things, we wouldn't do certain things that we do if we really had that mindset. If we really believe this. So do we really believe that God is omniscient? Do we really believe that God knows all things? And the last omni that we, that we, that we ascribe to God is that God is omnipresent. 
meaning that God is everywhere. That's where the book of Ezekiel closes. The book of Ezekiel closes, and the last words in the book of Ezekiel are this. The Lord is there. Jehovah Shammah, the eternal God. He is everywhere. The Bible says that our God fills the entire earth, that our God is everywhere. Even when you don't feel him, he is there. We will never be able to see him until we see him in fullness and glory. He is there. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that he is there with us in our darkest moment? Do we really believe that he is there with us in our highest moment? Yes, that's easy to believe. But in our darkest, in our lowest moment, in the moments that we feel separated and we feel so bad, do we believe that he is there? He's there. This is what the Bible teaches us. The question is, do you believe it? Do you believe that God is these things? The last name that I'll tell you about God, and then we're going to go to the other attributes that God gives to himself in the scriptures. We see the name Jehovah Roi which means the Lord, our shepherd. So I love this name because this name communicates to us about God and our relationship to him. So the question is, do you really believe that you can have a relationship with God? Some people do not. Some people do not believe. Some people in churches don't believe that they can have a relationship with God like a sheep has with shepherd. They they don't believe that, that the shepherd cares. In the book of John chapter 10, Jesus talks about himself being the good shepherd, talks about him knowing his sheep by name, talks about him communicating to them and his sheep knowing his voice. Hold on a second. Do you believe that you can know the voice of God? Do you believe that God speaks? Do you believe that God wants to speak? I mean, do you believe these things? Is it, do, do you believe it in your heart? The Bible goes on to tell us some other things about God. It says that our God is a consuming fire. There's the heat. Glory to God. Our God is a consuming fire. And it ties it in with another attribute where it says that our God is a jealous God. And now some of you may get, may get caught up on this, you know, God is jealous, and you know, like Oprah Winfrey did, because she got caught up on that. If you listen to a little YouTube interviews and stuff like that, the reason why she doesn't serve the God that we serve is because she was sitting in a service one day, and a preacher got up and said, well, you know, God was jealous of her. No, Oprah, you missed it. God is not jealous of you. He is jealous for you. See, there's a difference between being jealous of someone and being jealous for someone. And when we see this, God doesn't just say that he is a jealous God. He literally says that his name is jealous. And see, this is amazing because when you look at this, how can we understand this? Jealousy is supposed to be a bad thing because we tell people all the time, oh, you shouldn't be jealous because, you know, those are insecurities, those are things that are going on. That's in us. That's in us. But let me ask you a question. Are you jealous for your children, your parents? Are you, je- are you jealous for them with the right kind of jealousy as they grow up? Do you start to be like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to go over there. Look, as much as I love them, as much as I care for them, you ain't spending the night. What's that? We call it being overprotective. God calls it jealousy. The difference is this. God knows what we can do, what we can't do. As parents, we're just being cautious. So when God communicates that he's jealous, what is he saying? He's trying to communicate how passionately he loves you. Did you hear that? When God, when you think about this, God is a jealous God. What he is saying is, I love you passionately. I am devoted to you 100%. I am, I I want you to know my love. I want you to know my goodness. I want you to know me in fullness. This is what God is communicating to the children of Israel. And later on, he communicates to us in the New Testament. He says that God is love. These two, these two attributes are directly connected. God is love. He has a jealous love. It's not that he wants to possess you. He wants to protect you. Did you hear me? 
When God says no, he's not saying no because he wants you to have a bad day. He says no because he wants you to have a long life. Did you get that? When God says no, he's not saying no because he wants to be mean and he wants, to, he wants you to be religious and he wants to be hard and he doesn't want you to experience the good things of life. No, God knows what's good for you. God knows what can harm you. Therefore, when he communicates to the children of Israel, what is he talking about when he's dealing with jealousy? He's talking about them not worshiping other gods because it's a relationship. Remember the sanctification? You believe he's Jehovah Mechadeshim? He brings you to himself. He says, I want you to myself so I can fill you with myself so I can lead you and you can experience all that I have for you. This is what he wants. Relationship. Do we believe that? Do we believe that he is passionately devoted to us? When we saw the Passion of the Christ video clips last week, I know some of you were, you know, just overwhelmed by what was going on. I know some of you couldn't even watch it. And I understand that. Listen, that is, that is a grotesque reality. But you know what the fact of the matter is? That is the truth. And the reason why I show it to you is because you need to understand when you read your Bible, this is what Jesus went through. That's what it means when it says, for God so loved the world. That was God's jealousy. That was God's love being revealed in his wrath, being poured out upon his son to do what to show us i am a jealous god i hate sin and therefore i will punish my son in your place so that way you can have life and so the reality is our god is a jealous god a consuming fire what does that mean he's a consuming fire he's showing us his fierceness church He's showing us that he is a fierce God. He is a mighty God. He is the king of the universe. It is not to scare us. It is to show us who he is so that we we can rightly reverence him. Because you know what the reality is? We don't reverence God the way that we should. Listen, we have heard for so long that God is love that we've forgotten about every other attribute of God. We've heard so long, well, the only thing, you know, the, the, the Bible doesn't say God is this or God is that. The Bible says God is love. Listen, I want to let you know there's a bunch of other things that the Bible said God is. And it's not just love. And so we understand this, this, this demonstration of God's consuming fire. The book of Hebrews confirms that to us. The Bible shows us that God is long-suffering. You believe God is patient? You believe he's patient? The Bible says he's long-suffering. And with some of us, he has to suffer longer. Hello. He's not more patient with anybody than anyone else. He is just patient. In some people's life, we see more of his patience demonstrated. He is just patient. That is who he is. Do you believe that? Why does this matter? Because if you believe that your God is a jealous God, you'll serve him with more of a devoted heart. If you believe that your God is a long-suffering and patient God, you will operate in patience with others. Did you hear what I'm saying? The reason why these questions are so important for us to, uh, to, to look at is because we say we believe them, but our character doesn't reflect them. We don't reverence him the way that we should, and we do not trust him the way that we should. So when we lack trust in him, we lack reverence for him. When we lack that devotion to him, it's because we don't believe all of these things about him that he communicates. He communicates this. I love this one, and this is important for you. Do you believe that God is not a man? Do you believe that he is not a man? He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. But what he has said, he will do. That's what it means. It's important that you grasp that. Have some conversation with some people about God, and they'll communicate to you that they're gods. 
They'll communicate to you that they think that they're gods. We are gods. Well, that means that God is man. No, God is not man. God doesn't change like man. God is not a man. The Bible tells us later on, do you believe this one, that God is spirit? How can he be spirit and man at the same time? Hello? This is what the scriptures teach. Do you believe these things? The Bible says God is spirit. Why does that matter? Well, you know what? If you believe that God is spirit, it'll change the way you worship. It'll transform the way you worship because those that worship him have to do what? Worship him in spirit and in truth. Not just an external exercise, but an internal devotion. There's a difference when you believe that God is spirit according to what the scriptures teach. Do you believe that God is merciful? This is what your Bible says your God is. He says that God is merciful. Do you believe that? If you believe that, you'll show mercy to others. Do you believe that God is one Lord? One Lord. Not many gods. This is very important for our day. Remember all of the little slick dilutions that are going on? Well, you know what? It's all the same thing leading to the same place. No, it's not. Listen, there is one God. There is one true God, and it is the God of the Bible. That is the one true God. There's no other God. Muhammad is not the same as Jesus. No, no, no. You know, all of these different religions, not the same, different. We have to understand that. Do we believe that? Or do we walk around and just think, well, you know, they talk about God. They have a good heart. No, they don't. They're not talking about the right God. They're talking about a demon, and you are agreeing with them, and you are not communicating with them that they are not talking about the same God, that they are not saved, that they do not know Jesus, and that they need to repent of sin. Listen, if you believe this, that there is one true God, you will be bold, and you will stand up for the truth. If you don't believe it, you won't. If you don't believe it, you won't communicate. If you don't believe it, if they mention God, they're good. They have a knowledge of God. Really. Oh, but Bishop, we don't need to be condemning people. I didn't say we need to condemn people. We need to, con- we need to confront people with love in the truth. You don't need to yell at them like I'm yelling right now, glory to God. <laughs> that would be crazy. But in conversation, communicating to them in love, saying, you know what, man, there's one, there is one true God. This doesn't lead to heaven. That doesn't lead to heaven. There is one way, and it is Jesus Christ, period. One true God. Do you believe God is faithful? Do you believe he's faithful? It means he can't fail, right? Means he, that, that means he won't let you down. You believe that? Do you really believe that? Because if you believe that, then you'll be faithful to him. Right? If you believe that, you will be faithful to him. God, the Bible says he's faithful. He can't fail. He won't let you down. He won't let you fall. That's what he communicates. The Bible says, we talked about this earlier, God is unsearchable. You think you got God in your pocket? Oh, you, 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 you think you got God all figured out, don't you? Not if you believe he's unsearchable. If you believe God is unsearchable, you know what you do? You do like everybody else who believes this. You stand in awe of him daily. You sit before him and you say, man, there is so much more to God than what I realize. There is so much more to him than I can ever grasp and fully understand and fully appreciate. 
And so everything in you responds and pursues him because what? Because he is unsearchable. You cannot. He's inexhaustible to go after him and search. Listen, that's the reason why you go ahead and do this. Every year you should decide, right, you're going to read more of the Bible than all of these wonderful things. If you read through the Bible with an open heart and you're reading the scriptures and you're looking at the scriptures, you know what you will find? You will find more and more revelation. You will never come to a place where you know these scriptures so well that you just know everything about God. Because you know what? When you get to that place that you have these stories memorized, you know, because there are some folks that are older that I say they've forgotten more scripture than I've ever memorized because, I mean, they just know their Bibles. When you get to that place, you know what? You stand in even greater awe of who he is because you're really getting to know him. He's unsearchable, but do you believe that? Or you think, oh, well, you know, I know enough about God. You know, I don't need to go to church, and I don't really need to read my Bible. I don't really need to pray. I don't really need to enter into worship for intimacy. I don't really need to go any further with God. Listen, if you believe that God is unsearchable, you want to be connected to anything that's going to give you more of him. Did you hear what I just said? If you really believe that, you want to be connected to anything. When I say anything, I mean anything within bounds because I don't want you to be crazy going and jumping from here to there and trying to be. No, that, that's not what I'm talking about. You're connected to the body of Christ. You're connected to a church. You want to participate in anything that is going to lead you closer to him. That's what happens when you believe that he's unsearchable because you want to know more about him. Do you believe the Bible says God is greater than man? You believe that? You believe that he's greater than man? Because a lot of us say we believe that he's greater than man, but we fear our bosses more than we fear God. We won't come late to work, but man, we'll miss prayer every morning for a month and won't even think twice about it. Listen, I, and, and listen, I, I know that we have to work. I'm not telling you you shouldn't work. What I am telling you is that you need to, do you really believe that he's greater than man? Because if he's greater than man, then that means that you owe him more reverence than you owe anyone or anything else. Oh, yeah, I believe he's greater than man. Really? Do you honor him that way? Because he's not going to force himself upon you. Do you believe this? God is judge. You believe that? You believe he's judge? Think about it. Or you just think, well, you know what? Whatever. Or do you realize that every single person on planet Earth will stand before his consuming fire to be judged? You realize that? See, when you believe he's judge, it changes the way you look at things. It changes the way you live life. It changes the way you look at others if you really believe he's judge. When you really understand the fierceness of who God is, that's the one. The Bible says that it is a scary thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. So this is what your Bible teaches. Do you believe that he's king of all the earth? Look, 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 looking around at everything. Does it look like he's king everywhere? Be real. Does it look like he's king everywhere? Some of y'all ain't got to look far. Look at your bank account. Man, I don't know what's going on. Some of you look in your pantry and be like, man, I don't know. That doesn't change anything. I like the way that one person put it. It said, you know, how can, how can these things be going on? All over the place. How can there be this famine? How can there be this thing going on over here and that thing going on over there? And the person said to him, he said, listen, he said, you ever see somebody walking around without a haircut? Does that mean there's no barbers? Or is it that that person just hasn't gone to a barber? And so just because someone's walking around with an afro, hello, looking crazy, not because it's stylish. You know what I'm talking about? If you know you got an afro and you're rocking that, okay. 
But it, but it is because there's, there's a lack of barbers because you haven't visited one. The same thing with God, church. Not that God isn't king of all the earth. It's that many people haven't talked to God. They haven't repented before God. They haven't humbled themselves before God. And so just because there's bad things that happen doesn't mean that God is not king. doesn't mean that he doesn't rule. Do you believe that God is the only God of salvation? Our God. Do you believe that? We talked about this. This is what your Bible said. He is the God of salvation. Do you believe? We talked about this last week as well, the week before. Do you believe God is good? <laughs> and we talked to some of you that weren't here. I'll repeat this. When we go through hard things, you know, I had, I had an issue with this. Because we see situations like, for example, the other day there was, a, there, there was a little girl who got lost in the woods over here. And she was gone for like a few days. And, you know, after she was found, everybody was like, God is good. God is good. And I thought to myself when I, you know, when I heard all of these things that were being said, what if the little girl would have been found dead? Would God have not been good? God would have remained good. A bad thing would have happened. Does that mean that I didn't care about that girl being found? Man, I prayed for that girl just like anybody else. I was bawling, crying for that girl that God, you know, that, that God would have mercy. And that he would, I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is that bad situations don't make God bad. It's just a bad situation. And we got to have that heart. And so you know what? I'm hoping that, the, that for you, you that were here, that when stuff that happens that you don't want to happen, you still say, God is good. And that you mean it. You're not just saying it to be flippant about it either. But do we believe that God is good? Do we believe that God is holy? Do we believe that? Do we believe that he's holy? When we say holy, we don't mean holy like you and I because you and I will never be as holy as God. Because you and I may not participate in sin, but we still have sin that dwells in us. The difference between us and God is this, is that not only does God, is God incapable of sinning, sin is absent from God. There is no sin in him. There is no capability for God Almighty to sin, period. That's what it means to be holy like that. And so our goal is to do what? Is to die to ourselves daily, to grow in grace, so we can do what? Become holy like he is. So that way, as time progresses, sin begins to die in us. And we are growing in the grace and the ability that God affords his people. Do we believe God is perfect? This is what your Bible says about your God. God is perfect, meaning that he lacks nothing, meaning that he is complete in every way. Is he perfect? Do you believe that? Or do you think, I don't know if God's perfect. You know, he could have done a better job over here. I know. I know there's some people that think that. He, he could have done a little bit better over there. You know what I'm saying? Glory to God. I don't know what he was thinking. Do you believe he's perfect? Do you believe that he is true? Meaning he can't lie. He can't fail again. You believe that. Because if you believe that, you know what you'll do? You'll strive to be, be true too. You'll strive to be real. You'll strive to be honest. Do you believe that he is true? We talked about God being spirit. Do we believe that? Do we believe that God is no respecter of persons? Do we believe that? Do you really believe that in my heart? That do, do I really believe in my heart that he is not a respecter of persons? Do I really believe in my heart that, you know what, God loves me as much as he loves the rich dude up the road? Do I really believe that? Do I really believe that I'm just as, do I, do I believe, now, now, now we're looking at it this way, do I believe that God loves me 
in my mediocrity spiritual spiritualness or whatever, right? In, in, in my in my in-between level, that God loves me just as much as he loves the most spiritual person you know. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God wants to reveal himself to you as much as he wants to reveal himself to anybody else? Do you believe that? This is your God. He wants to reveal himself. He wants to show you. He's not a respecter of person. He wants to speak to you as much as he speaks to anybody else that you know who God speaks to. He wants to do that. The question is, do you believe it? Do you believe that God is incorruptible, that he is immortal, that he is imperishable? Do you believe that nothing changes God, that as years progress, God doesn't become insensitive, that God doesn't become cynical? Do you believe those things? God doesn't change. Do you believe that? Or you think that in some situations God is this way, some situations God is that way? No, God is the same. God doesn't change. This is what the Bible says about him. Do you believe that God is just? Meaning that God is fair. That God always does what is right. Listen, when when I say God is just, I don't mean that I'm going to understand every decision God makes. What I do know is that he knows why he makes them. And even when I don't agree, even when I don't understand, his ways are higher than my ways. And because he is God and I am not, I have to submit to that. Amen? Do you believe God is light? This is what the Bible says. God is light. So what does that mean for us? Well, if you believe God is light, then that means that you are going to want to shine as brightly as you can because he says you are the light as well. If you believe God is light, he is the only light. He is not just a light. He is the only true light. Do you believe that? All illumination comes from him. Do you believe that? Do you believe these things about God? The reason why these questions are so important and to answer these questions, whether or not we believe these things about God is, is, is answered by one thing, our lifestyle. If we are striving to be like the God we serve and we live in reverence of him and we trust him, then we truly believe these things. See, the bottom line is this. All of these things that we've talked about here, if we truly believe them, then we're striving to be like him in the areas that we can. We're striving to be loving. We're striving to be patient. We're striving to be merciful. We're striving to be kind. We're striving to be all of these things that God calls us to be. In the other areas, we're striving to trust him and believe and go through whatever. And you know what? At moments in our life, we have to cry out like this father does. And he cries out and says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Because the reality is that God is all of these things. And sometimes there are situations, circumstances in our life that don't look like God is this, but God is that. Doesn't look like it. But the reality is that he is all of these things that he declares. And the reason why this is an important question, I'm closing right now, is this. You can say you believe all of these things, but if he's not the Lord of your life, it doesn't matter. Because here is the biggest question, the most important question for us to ask ourselves. Who really is my God? Who is it? Am I my God or is he my God? That's, that, 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 that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Am I my God or is he my God? I had, I had a conversation with someone that I love dearly, and we were discussing this whole thing, and they were telling me, you know, I just struggle. You know, we were talking about God, and they're like, you know, I just I really struggle with, you know, sometimes I want to do the things I want to do, and sometimes I want to serve God. And I said, Yeah. I said, that happens to everyone. And I said, you know what you have to determine? You have to determine who's your God. Because when you do the things that God wants you to do, he's your God. When you do the things that you want to do, you are your God. So we don't want to see it like that. But we need to understand this. Whoever you are obeying, that is your God. And most of us, we 
are our own God. In every area, whether it's with our money, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's in our devotion to church, God is not our God. We are our God. We call the shots. We ask him to bless the shots. We determine what we're going to do. We decide what we're going to do. Who's God? Who makes the decisions? He's supposed to make the decisions. Not you. Not me. I shouldn't be gratifying my flesh and doing what I want to do. I should be living for him. If you believe that he's these things, he's your God in all of these areas, then that would mean that all of us would have to come to some place of repentance. That all of us would have to recognize, man, God, you know what? There's some areas that I just don't trust you in. There's some areas that I don't 100% give my whole heart to you in. Some areas that I just, you know, God, you're, you're patient, and I don't even try to demonstrate patience with people. God, you're merciful. I don't show any type of mercy towards people. God, you're loving. I don't, I, I, I don't, oper- I don't operate. I don't walk in this love towards folks. God, you say that you're Jehovah Jireh. You say you're Jehovah Nisi. You say you're all of these different things. And God, I don't, I don't trust you fully. See, because when you don't trust him fully in these areas, then you begin to try to do it on your own instead of letting him do what he's going to do. Instead of letting him be God. And so the question is that. The ultimate question is, do you really believe these things about him? And if you do, then you're saying, yes, my life lines up with these things and I believe these things and I am committed to him. And then most of us will be in here, we'll all be in the same boat and we'll say, you know what? I'll fall short in plenty of those areas. I'll fall short in plenty of those areas. And I need his help because I want him to be God. I don't want to be God. I want him to be everything in my life. I don't want to be God. I want him to be everything. So I'll stand to our feet and let us pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord God.